Medical Monday is proudly brought to you with the compliments of Discam. Pharmacists to care. And good morning to you. My name is Kathy Kayla. Thank you so much for joining me here on 101.9 High FM. This is the Discam Medical Monday. And a very, very special show that we've got today for you. You know, every few, well, at least once a month, we have uh, Richard Sutton who comes in and he brings his expertise to to you, really. And uh, if you don't know who Richard Sutton is, he's a member of the International Association of Healthcare Professionals. He's a clinically trained neurovascular practitioner with a background in biokinesiology. He has, he has treated some of the world's top sports people. Let me start that again. Some of the world's top sports people, uh, from Martina Navratilova to Tommy Haas, he coached the Chinese Olympic team in Beijing in 2010, I think it was, and um, of course they were the winning team that year. He knows what he's talking about. The best of the best, access Richard, and uh, he also doesn't take new patients. Let me say that again. He doesn't take new patients. This is your opportunity to get access to Richard Sutton. And uh, what he does is he comes with, you know, um, we look at different themes all the time. So we've spoken about coffee at one point and what coffee does in the body. We spoke about salmon at one point and what salmon does in the body. We've spoken about sleep. We did, um, you know, and how important sleep is and how you get better sleep and what's happening in your body. You want to understand any health issue, you've got to speak to Richard Sutton. So uh, this week we're talking about cacao or uh, chocolate. We can translate it like that, basically. But well, yeah, you can hear him grunting. He's already disagreeing with me, but that's okay. Uh, if you would like to uh, ask him any questions about the topic today, You'll hear as we go along, I'm sure that you will have questions. Then this is how you get in touch with us. 34519, that's a text line. You can also send us a WhatsApp on 061-895-1019 and you don't have to sign your name. So uh, good morning to Richard Sutton. How are you? Hi, Kath. Great, great. Thanks so for having me. Oh, so lovely to have you back. It's great whole to be here. Yeah, in front of us. I know, I know. I can't believe it. Absolutely wonderful. All right, so we're talking about chocolate. Yeah, we are. We, we're talking about a very popular compound. Okay, I mean, if you look at uh, uh, you know statistics globally, um, consumption of, of chocolate at the moment is 7.7 million tons every year. Mm. You're looking at an industry worth 98.2 billion US dollars. And just the raw beans, which I'm talking about today, the, the cocoa and the cacao, um, the production is around four uh, four million tons every single year, so it's it's, it's certainly a, a popular product, and I think uh, it appeals to most people, if not all. But you know, if you look at the history of cacao, it's it's or cocoa, um, it's not something that's new. It's not something that's evolved in the last hundred years. It's actually been used medicinally for the last twenty six hundred years really? um, in in the Americas, yeah, in Central and South America. Um, it is the plant is actually native to that region, and you know, I've mentioned cocoa and cacao, and they're actually the, basically from the same seed, from a, from a tree called the Theobroma cacao. And uh, the one is processed um, quite heavily, um, and that's the 
cocoa, you know, the, 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 the cocoa bean, um, whereas cacao is in its raw, you know, kind of cold-pressed form. So naturally, as one would expect, the less processing, the, the more benefit it offers. This being said, cocoa is ex- exceptionally beneficial in, t- in terms of we health. We know. <laughs> exceptionally <laughs> beneficial. But, but you, you, there's always two sides to, to a story. And, you know, there, there's some, you know, uh, groups that believe that uh, cocoa is, or cacao, um, has, you know, is, is so strong that it has negative effects on health, whilst other groups believe that uh, uh, that it has only benefit or positive conferring effects on health. So I, I'd like to use the science to try and clarify as to, you know, what, what the truth behind this compound is. But if you look at the bean itself, the, the cocoa or cacao bean, you're looking at around 300 different chemicals. And some of those chemicals mm. include the powerful, it's called epicatechins, which I'll expand on later, uh, procyanidins, clobamide, cinematanin, uh, quercetin, resveratrol. And if I take any of those compounds individually, they offer enormous benefit uh, to our health. You know, they, they stabilize the health quite, quite profoundly. But if I put them all together, they don't just stabilize health. They have the, the potential to actually enhance our health and enhance our performance in many different uh, capacities and spaces. One also has to consider that cocoa and cacao, this is where it's be, you know, come under fire, uh, contains a lot of brain-stimulating and influencing chemicals. So most of us are familiar with no, caffeine. But we should think. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So most of us are, are familiar with caffeine, and, and cocoa and cacao both contain caffeine, but they also contain something called theobromine. I've heard of that before. Yeah. And now that's also a stimulant. Um, it elevates heart rate, it dilates blood vessels. It has, it can have in small amounts a positive effect on our biology, but in large amounts it's, it's quite toxic. So if you're consuming heavy amounts of cocoa or cacao, it can, there can be a toxic element because of this compound, but in small amounts or small doses, it's actually beneficial. So there's a U curve. Okay. So can I just ask you, uh, yeah. how much, uh, the, what's it called? Theobromine. Theobromine is in, cocoa as we have it like what percentage I, is there a percentage is it so minuscule it's, it's minuscule so then it's how much minuscule. would we actually have to have for it to be harmful what's well we amount? are we have this is like an interesting question and i can't answer that with the exact amounts but I, what i can answer is in with the in within a similar context and that is that we have the ability to metabolize theobromine animals don't and you've always heard of the thing don't give your dog oh, chocolate yes and the thing that makes or the element that That's makes dogs sick um, you know, with, with respect to uh, consumption of chocolate is they can't break down this theobromine and it has all these negative biological effects. But we generally have the capacity to do it and, and it has a kind of a, uh, a very neutral effect, if not sometimes even positive conferring effect on the body. But uh, cocoa and cacao also contain um, not just, you know, caffeine and theobromine, they also contain bi- biogenic amines. And so these are very specific compounds that can influence neurochemicals in the brain. So they can can cause spikes in serotonin, it can cause spikes in dopamine, spikes in norepinephrine. So it can uh, improve our cognition, our focus, our attention, you know, and, and the likes. It has a, a very powerful stimulating effect. And, and most, you know, normally, you know, these biogenic amines are, if it's not in a fermented product, it's not advisable to consume it. But cacao is one of the exceptions where, where they actually confer benefit to us and, and, and that's something that's quite interesting but uh, most of the if you go online and you research cacao you're going to see like this big trend towards antioxidants like powerful antioxidant thing and uh, there was actually a 2011 study published in the journal uh, it was a chemistry central journal and it, it basically identified that 
cocoa and cacao, you know, whether you're having the, the unprocessed or the processed form, um, has some of the highest antioxidant values in the plant world. If I have to compare it to blueberries, it's 20 times the antioxidant strength to blueberries. Wow. So it is it's exceptionally profound. And, and it actually basically outperforms acai berries, uh, you know, blackberries, you know, all, all within the entire, like, antioxidant world. Um, cacao is one of the best performers. What and about green tea? Because apparently green tea Outperforms green tea. Great. And a lot of the same, actually, what's interesting about cacao and green tea is that they have a lot of the same compounds. And that's why they provide a very similar benefit. But, and, and actually, funny you mention that because I'd like to just mention what that com- the, the, you know, the, the similarity is. And it's a, a compound called epicatechin. And it's one of the most significant compounds in both green tea and coffee. And it has a, a, a most incredible uh, effect on human health. And there was actually a study, um, there was actually a report in Medical News Daily a few years ago. And the report basically stated that epicatechins, this, this particular plant compound found in coca, um, basically rivals antibiotics and anesthesia in terms of its importance to public health. Well, that's a, a very bold statement from a, you know, a very well-respected, you know, kind of medical journal or, or, or medical site. And a lot of this, uh, the, their sentiment was inspired by the work of um, a Dr. Norman Hollenberg, um, who's a nephrologist uh, and is also a professor of medicine at Harvard University. And uh, if you just look at his background, he's, he's quite a credible figure. I think he's co-authored or authored over 100 scientific papers. So he's a well-respected guy. And basically, Hollenberg spent years studying the benefits of um, coca, um, you know, at, at, and coca drinking habits in, in a certain tribe in Panama. So it's a Kuna tribe just off, the, just off the mainland of Panama. And he found, it was, it was the most interesting study, he found that the risk of four of the five most common diseases in the Western world, which is stroke, heart failure, cancer, and diabetes, were reduced to less than 10% within that population. So this this particular tribe in Panama that lived off the coast of Panama, the four of the five major diseases didn't exist in that population. But if you go into the mainland in Panama, they okay. consistent with the world statistics. And uh, what he found, what was different in these individuals, there wasn't a genetic difference between the mainland it and be lifestyle. It was lifestyle differences. And what he found is they drink up to forty cups of like a cocoa drink every single week and expose basically they expose themselves into to vast amounts of this this compound called epicatechin now epicatechin in, in terms of I mean, it has numerous effects on the body but one of its major effects is it it basically stimulates the production of nitric oxide in the body so it dilates blood vessels and, and a lot of diseases are linked to constriction of the blood pre- uh, blood vessels right. and high Cholesterol. blood and high blood pressure as right. a result you know and, and hmm. other elements but if if there was actually a quote from Hollenberg which I'd like to just uh, read now so this is According to Hollenberg, if these observations predict the future, then we can say without blushing that they are the most um, that they are the, among the most important observations in the history of medicine. We all agree that penicillin and anesthesia are enormously important, but epicatechin could potentially get rid of four of the five most common diseases in the Western world. How important does that make epicatechin? I would say very important. And Hollenberg feels so strongly about this epicatechin that he he wants he's lobbying for this epicatechin compound to be to re, be reclassified as not just a plant compound or plant chemical, but actually as a vitamin. It's it's that important. So that's that's just one of the components in cacao. But there, there's more to the story. And, and another very prominent um, uh, chemical in, in cacao is something called quercetin or quercetin. And 
quercetin has a very very positive or very strong relationship um, when it comes to stress and there was a there was a Japanese uh, study uh, published I think it was in 2009 2010 it was an animal study but what was interesting about the second study is that it showed that quercetin enters the brain within several hours following ingestion and directly influences brain cells it has a direct interaction with brain cells the brain doesn't actually filter out quercetin which is which is very interesting and what quercetin does is it actually re- reversed and reduced free radical damage so in response to stress generally what happens is that there's an ac- accelerated free radical damage so a lot of molecules get into the brain they create an instability in the brain and a lot of the fats in the brain become unstable and and you know brain cells are comprised of fats and it, unfortunately um, it results in damage and what they found was that these particular free radicals are called lipid hydroperoxides um, that are caused by stress. Quercetin has the ability to basically disarm them, completely neutralize them. And it also neutralizes the effects you know, of stress on free radical production. So it's like there's a twofold effect. So basically this, this incredible compound, quercetin, that is found in, in coca and cacao, which are the the, the principal, uh, you know, which is a principal constituent of, of cho- dark chocolate, has the ability to lower anti, you know, free radical stress in the brain and actually protect the brain from damage, which is which is exceptionally remarkable. Incredible. So we've got the epicatechin, we've got the quercetin. We've got the theobromine, we've got the caffeine, we've got the biogenic amines, we've got, I mean, the list goes on, three, I can go through 300 of these. That's amazing. You know, there's also this resveratrol, which is, you know, everyone, all, all the studies that say that red wine is good for you. They all link it to resveratrol, and cacao has resveratrol, another compound which is is vastly neuroprotective, protects the brain, protects the body, you know, free radicals, you know, uh, damage, uh, uh, neutralizer, and and so on. Have pharmaceutical companies picked up on this? Yeah, so are they do, using this? Information? So this is the interesting thing: is if you go through the literature, the minute you isolate these compounds, they ha- have limited effectiveness. When they're put in a collective, in a plant form, it's a magic far- formula. Exactly, exactly. So the, the, the really the, the strength appears to be the sum of the components, all the components, as opposed to you know being an isolated part that's having a, a, a profound influence. Yeah. So that, no, my name the, is my name is Kathy Kayla. I'm speaking to expert health management expert richard sutton if you want to get in touch with him you can get to his website at suttonhealth.co.za we're talking about cacao now cacao is the is the actual seed and cocoa is the product so we ultimately we're talking They're about both the, both the seed one's the, oh, one's the pod and the other one's so cacao cacao's basically the un, unprocessed version uh, uh, cocoa, cocoa is, is the it? heated processed version. Oh, is but it they co- derive from the same seed, and they they're fundamentally the same. You know, you know, same thing. So is it Just the same thing? If if I mean all these benefits, if I had to run off to Diskim and go and get some uh, Bourneville cocoa or whatever cocoa, yes. you and would take a spoon many, every day. Would I get would the benefits? You would derive this? many of the benefits from having cocoa, but you'd uh, derive far more benefits from having the raw cacao or cocoa, uh, cacao nibs. How do we even get that? No, Diskim. What are you talking about? No, I'm sure, uh, this game for sure. This game has uh, cacao. Cacao nibs. I don't Is know about the called? nibs, but certainly the the powder and cocoa powder. So the raw, you know, right. the this less game processed. We'll be seeing you later <laughs> on this afternoon. I mean, the I'm less sold. processed forms. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, so we so the cocoa is the processed, 
and the, the cacao. cacao is the less, you know, it's a cold extraction. It's the same yeah. same product, just the powder or, or the nibs are cold extraction versus cocoa, which is a heated Amazing. chemical extraction. And if you're looking at Dutch cocoa, they use a potassium solvent to try and change the flavor profile. Oh, no, so you don't all. want that? Not necessarily. No, no. I mean, it's far more tasty and smooth, but uh, that's not what we're looking for. But just, just staying on the topic of, of, of stress, you know, so I've talked about this quercetin and it, it has this uh, like amazing effect of lower blunts, uh, stress hormone output. Uh, there's genetic changes associated with consumption of quercetin. We also know that it neutralizes uh, free radical damage in the brain in response to stress. But, you know, those were all animal studies and there was actually a human study. It was uh, by researchers at the University of Bern uh, in Switzerland and they, they were looking at whether a single application, a single dose of dark chocolate, which is epicatechin-rich. Uh, epicatechin you know, so when you're saying dark chocolate, anything from 70 to 85% mm. um, uh, cocoa. They, they were looking at whether it buffers a hormonal reactivity to stress. So basically, if you get stressed and you have dark chocolate two hours before, what does it do to your stress hormones? That's the summary of the Gee, study. What an interesting okay. study. So, well, of course, it was in Switzerland. You know, the, the largest producers and, and consumers of chocolate. It, I'm sure, yeah. For sure, for sure. <laughs> so what they wanted, they wanted to even go further. They wanted to see if the, 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 the effects of cocoa were just in the body, you know, so it affected the adrenal glands producing adrenaline and cortisol, or did it affect the brain, you know, like the central organizing um, systems in terms of the stress response. So it was a, con a placebo-controlled trial. So one, the group was divided into two. Uh, one group had like a fake chocolate. So what they did is they had dark chocolate, which is very high in epicatechins. I think it was 125 milligrams of epicatechins per 50-gram serving. Okay. And the other group had the, the same 50-gram serving, but it was white chocolate, which has no cacao in it. It has no epicatechins, but it was flavored and colored and basically took on the appearance of dark chocolate. Okay, so here you've got two groups. One is taking white epicatechin-free chocolate that's flavored like dark chocolate, and the other is taking dark chocolate. And uh, what, what they did was they, two hours before in ingestion, um, they, what they did is a, a series of tests, um, and they looked at whether, you know, if, if all the, the profiles, the, the stress hormone profiles and other variables were all identical within the groups, which they were. So what, what they then did was um, had the, both groups have their, one the placebo chocolate and one the dark chocolate. And what they did was they exposed the subject to stress simulation. So controlled stress simulations, which involved a five-minute mock job interview, a five-minute mental arithmetic task, all in front of an audience. So like a very unpleasant oh experience. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So what they found was that following the tests, all subjects... Um, had significant increases in stress hormones, as you would expect. I mean, if I, if I did a five-minute uh, mock job interview in front of an audience and a five-minute, that's the worst, the mental arithmetic task in front of an audience, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be feeling great. You know, so, so all, the entire group had spikes in stress hormones. And, and the stress hormones I'm referring to specifically adrenaline and cortisol. But what they found was those that consumed epicatechin-rich dark chocolate two hours before the task had a lower cortisol response and a lower adrenaline response to the extent that they produced 30% less cortisol in response to the stress and 15% less adrenaline, which is unbelievable. So what they also found was that the reactivity, the changes in the hormonal profiles were not in the brain at all. So there was no changes in norepinephrine. There was no changes in the hormones that mediate the expressions of these stress hormones. So nothing chemical happening in the brain that would warrant these changes. It was all at the level of adrenal gland. So we know that 
epicalcins actually interface with certain glands of the body to the exclusion of the brain. And most compounds don't work to the exclusion of the brain, uh, which is which is quite interesting. And what they fo- found that the, the 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 more one consumed within the context of epicalcins, the greater the blunting of the stress response, so the less reactive you get to to a stress or a situation. So that's so, that's so quite remarkable. I'm just that is remarkable. So I'm thinking of of health issues where period where people are in a, I don't know a state of stress. So when somebody's undergoing extreme health issues, for example, right, and they need to go and have surgery, if they had to take this cacao, yeah. Two hours before the surgery. Yeah. Would that help? Well, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, with the recovery and of, all of that. It's as far as I know, almost every surgery, 99% of the surgery, you, you can't eat for an extended period before the surgery. So let's take that out of the equation. Okay. Let's, let's Hypothetically, just, if you uh, had to do it intravenously. Even intravenously, there's, there's, so there's no food consumption or, or compound consumption before the surgery because it could affect or inter, interact with anesthesia and, and a variety of other things as well. Right. So let's take surgery off the, off the table. So let's put a situation where you are exposed, you've got a, a very, very stressful meeting. I'm just going to basically kind of put, put context as to what the study is saying. You have a very stressful meeting, it's at 10 a.m., the best thing that you could do in terms of preparing yourself for the meeting from a biological standpoint is consume a cacao or cocoa-rich food two hours before. That will lower your reactivity to the situation through two pathways. One, the quercetin pathway, and two, the epicatechin pathway. So that means you just go and get some of that <clears throat> very dark chocolate High quality between 70 and 85%. So that's one option. But it's always best if you go for the raw cacao. Um, you know, basically this study was on dark chocolate. And it happened to be lint dark chocolate, to be honest with you. So it well, was... Swiss. Yeah, <laughs> rightly so. They tapped it, they banked on it. Exactly. So, so the study was on dark chocolate. And so basically it's saying that it will work. Dark chocolate, if you do have, you know, you're going into a situation, let's say a meeting in the afternoon, you know, two hours before the meeting, have some dark chocolate. It's, it's, the studies have shown that it will lower your stress reactivity. It will lower stress hormone output, mm. keep you more balanced uh, in, in, the, in that situation. But it's always preferable to go for the more natural natural unprocessed forms and if you can go for healthier treats so you know if you've got a 10 a.m. Uh, meeting rather have a smoothie with raw cacao in it uh, you know kind of mix some nuts and seeds and maybe some protein and you know it's, it's better to go for those more natural versions as opposed to something that's more processed and that's just I'm stating the obvious I'm not I'm not stating anything that's that's too abstract and, and complex. What else can you tell us about cocoa? So it has very powerful anti-inflammatory effects as well. You know, oh. so here we're seeing anti- enormous antioxidant profile. Right, you're basically outperforming, you know, most most fruits and vegetables in the natural world. We also know that it has this this in- incredible relationship to inhibit inflammation. And there was a 2016 study on the effects of dark chocolate, specifically dark chocolate, on uh, the relationship to inflammation, and it appeared in the journal Brain Behavior and Immunity. And what the study highlighted was that again, it was related to the epicatechins. For some reason, unknown unknown to, to the researchers, epicatechins seem to blunt the inflammatory response to stressful situations and other situations where inflammation is spiked. 
And what they found was its effect on inflammation is not limited to just inflammatory molecules. So it's, it's not that epicatechins, you know, this one compound in chocolate or, or cacao has, has an effect just on the chemicals that cause pain and cause irritability to cells and, and cause compromise to cells. But it actually affects the light switch, the switch that turns on those inflammatory molecules. It's called NF-kappa-beta. So what they found is there's, there's a direct inhibition, a lowering or, or kind of uh, a blunting of the effect of this big molecule that turns on inflammation in the body. But they also found that also those chemicals that promote all the discomfort and irritability, it also inhibits those as well. So it doesn't just affect inflammation on, on one level, it affects it on all levels. So it's a very powerful mediator or mani- management tool um, of inflammatory states. But but most of these plant-based compounds you'll have to take on a daily basis to show any effect or to show long-term potential. But what's so interesting about what you're saying, and this I actually remember from doing previous shows with you and discussing previous topics, when we talked about sugar, you said that sugar causes inflammation. By triggering so this is NF why it's important to get dark chocolate or go and get from Diskem the, the raw the cacao. cacao. Yeah. Because that's not going to have added sugar. Yeah. Because so otherwise it's cancelling out any good that very, it's Very, very much so. so. If you look at, I mean, let's just quickly compare milk chocolate to dark chocolate. So all of the benefits I've described now don't relate to milk chocolate at all. First of all, milk chocolate as a general rule will have 10% cocoa. 10% cocoa is not going to cut it. But at the same time, your fiber content per 100 grams is 2.6 grams of fiber which is practically negligible and your sugar content is 56 grams yeah so you getting i mean it's very skewed to the side of inflammation low fiber high sugar low cacao so i'm not saying go and have a, a slab of dairy milk chocolate or whatever your preference is i'm saying that you know it's very you know within the context of the research of the benefits of cocoa and cacao it, it's very specific and it highlights the fact that the product has to be in excess of 70 percent cocoa you know so dark chocolate is classified as 70 percent and above and that's where the benefits are derived and if you compare the sugar contents of dark chocolate you know to milk chocolate milk chocolate having 56 grams of sugar the sugar content of dark chocolate is 30 grams considerably less yet the epicatechin content is is off the charts through the roof you know and also the fiber contents of dark chocolate is also very high um fiber contents around 7.5 grams so you've got a high fiber content, lower sugar content, high in epicatechins, and all these other plant-based compounds. It's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. Liter- yeah. liter- and we're talking about brain. I mean, it's dark chocolate has and cacao has a, a very profound effect on the brain. What does it do? Well, there's, there's been a, actually there's been a lot of interest in this space for many, many years. So cacao's effect on cognition and, and memory and behavior have been, it's like thousands of studies have come out in the literature. And what, they, what the researchers believe is that it's, it's attributed to this epicatechin again, but remember this epicatechin is also found if you don't like chocolate or you have an aversion to dark chocolate or, or I don't love dark chocolate, I love cacao but I don't love dark chocolate myself but epicatechin is also found in green tea and you can derive the same benefit from green tea or matcha, you know, so that's that's quite positive, but um, a lot that's of It's a uh, tough one Richard, you know chocolate <laughs> versus green tea I've got, I've got a solution Craig, I've, what would you choose? <laughs> <laughs> I've got a solution the solution is both why don't you have oh, you the cacao have in the morning and green tea in the afternoon? Or you can wash the one down yeah. with the other. How about that? How about that? <laughs> <laughs> so, so one also has to consider that cacao has a lot of psycho- psychoactive components. You know, it has 
methylxanthines, um, you know, the caffeine I've mentioned, theobromine I've mentioned, and each independently is associated with improvements in alertness and cognitive function. But there was a very interesting study in it. It was the, the top of the business. It was the, it doesn't get better than this. It was a randomized controlled, double blinded, balanced, three period crossover trial. Oh my and gosh! It, yeah, no, it's it's like uh, I don't even know what half of that means to be honest with you. It involves <laughs> <laughs> that's like the biggest hunking just, dunking. Yeah, it's just like no one can refute the, the basically no one can refute what the study uh, tells us. So it involved thirty individuals. Maybe that's the only downfall. It only involved thirty individuals, and it was published in the journal Psychopharmacology. And what they found was that following uh, several hours after cocoa consumption, you're looking at major improvements, significant improvements in information processing speed in the brain and working memory. Now, again, it was a big study. There's also been studies looking at a slowed rate of cognitive decline as associated with regular consumption of cacao or cocoa products. Okay, what does that mean in context? So what it means is that as we age, our brain shrinks specifically from around 55 years of, of age. And with the shrinking of, of the brain, unfortunately, our cognitive uh, capabilities also decline. You know, there's a, a direct correlation between the size of the brain and, and intellect. So, um, unfortunately, um, that's uh, very much a reality in life. And, and some studies show that if you're looking at certain regions of the brain, they can shrink to the extent of 2% every year after the age of 50, 55 which is quite substantial. And there are ways to offset it. There's a lot of ways to offset it. So it doesn't have to be the case. If you're looking at a general, like uh, overall, it's, it's around 1% annually, uh, you know, brain mass decline. They say by the time you're 75, there was actually a Harvard study this, um, by the time you're 75, your brain is the size that it was when you're two to three years old. That's not possible. Well, that's what they say. This is, uh, this is uh, an exceptional, uh, one of the top researchers at Harvard. So this so this explains why like we almost revert to childhood behaviors as we get older we start getting a little bit more childlike. So so in an autopsy of somebody who's brain 80 or 90 yeah. like is their brain as small as like a 2-year-old child's that's, brain? That's what the evidence is showing. 3-year-old. 3-year-old. Yeah. So it was Robert I think it was uh, the surname was Epstein I think it was Robert Epstein from Harvard if I remember correctly. Wow. And he did a whole paper on this. So it's, it's just very interesting but that's an aside. But let's talk about the positive thing. So three years ago, Italian research published a study involving 90 elderly individuals looking at the long-term effects of all those compounds, those flavanols in, in coca. So the study um, that they, they performed was an eight-week double-blind controlled dietary intervention, another very like stringent, strict uh, study. And what they had was they had all the participants perform a series of mental acuity tests before the eight-week study. And they also had them perform those tests following the study. And what they found was that those individuals who consumed cacao or the cacao product that was part of the study had significantly improved test scores. And the more cacao you had and the more cacao flavors you exposed to, the better your test scores over an eight-week period. There was actually another study saying that you, you can actually reverse, you know, in 60-year-olds, your brain can actually behave like a 30- to 40-year-old with regular exposure to cacao and epicatechins. There's also, that that was, a, a, you know, a, a double-blind uh, controlled dietary intervention. There's also a cross-sectional analysis. So basically just looking at the dietary behaviors of a 1,000 individuals um, in the U.S. And basically, it looked at chocolate consumption habits and, and cognitive performance. And the, the researchers performed an extensive battery of neuropsychological tests, like every possible stone was unturned, just looking at integrity and functionality of the brain. And what they found, just 
reiterating what I've just said in the last two studies is that more frequent chocolate consumption, dark chocolate specifically, this is not milk chocolate, was um, was associated with better performance within the context of memory, organization within the brain, as well as abstract, abstract reasoning. And for anyone who wants it, it was quite an easy study to read. The title was Chocolate Intake is Associated with Better Cognitive Function, the main Syracuse longitudinal study that was in 2016. So if anyone wants to take a look at that, that's that's very interesting. Just Google it. Go yeah, check it out. Yeah. Okay, lots of messages coming in. Yes, Richard, yes, if we yes. Can please, um, I'll do my best. Okay, so Luisi says, uh, can I please ask you, Richard, if we mix the cocoa with milk, Ooh. will it still have the same effect on the brain? Will it be good for kids with concentration issues? Unbelievable question. That is probably one of the best questions I've been asked. Okay. And you know why? Because we've got, because we've got own, the best listeners. <laughs> we've got the best listeners. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, the only thing, the only compound that negates the benefits of cacao is milk. So basically, none of the benefit. This is why milk chocolate offers no benefit. Is because well, milk from that and so, basically so small. the yeah. cer- certain components, proteins within the milk, bind to the, a, a lot of the plant-based chemicals in the cacao, and they reduce its absorption and its effectiveness. So to answer her question, no. The minute there's milk in the equation, and you should not consume cacao and milk together. So how would you take it then? So what you'll do is you'll take it in. Well, it doesn't have to be in a dairy product. You know, so let's say you could take cacao, you can mix it into your oats in the morning, you know, a little bit of honey, walnuts, chia seeds. You can make a smoothie without dairy. But milk, not so much milk proteins, you know, not so much whey protein, but but other components in the milk are associated with an inhibition of the absorption of of these very, very positive conferring uh, plant chemicals. And if you look at dark chocolate, how much milk is in dark chocolate? Nothing. Exactly. Okay. Nothing. Most jo- dark chocolate is all dark chocolate is 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 milk free, or it should be, you know, uh, by virtue of its definition. Yeah. So dark chocolate offers huge benefit. Milk chocolate, nothing. Remember, it's ten percent. The highest concentration of cocoa in milk chocolate we thirty. If I remember correctly, it was, uh, I think, it was forty two percent, around thirty eight to forty two percent, the highest ever concentration of cocoa in milk chocolate. But most of the time, it's around the ten percent mark. So that was a great question. Okay, so um, f- part two of her question was, will will it be good for kids with concentration issues? No, according to the literature, most definitely. But its application must be appropriate. So you've got to be consistent and you've got you've to do it every day. You've got to be consistent day. and it's got to be several hours before, you know, so before they go to school is, is a good time and at break time it might, uh, you know, at lunchtime might be a, another good time to have a, a cocoa-containing product. And this, you know, you get a lot of health recipe books with with cocoa products and, and, and foods, you know, giving you options and ideas, you know, how to include uh, cocoa or cocoa into your diet with, with where it doesn't have milk and where it doesn't have anything that's uh, contraindicated from the health. You could just get capsules with it, no? Yeah, you know, it's, it's so delicious. Why would you want to do that to yourself? Oh, you sometimes could. it's just efficient. <laughs> uh, so you, you'd have to have quite a bit, you know. You know, you know it's not it's a if couple of tablespoons a day. Yeah. yeah, but you also have to understand there is one, there, there is one so- downside of cacao. So the, the, one of the things that interferes with the absorption of cacao's milk, or the only thing, and the, the only downside from a literature perspective, I'm sure there's more, um, is the fact that it impairs iron absorption. So if you have cacao too often, too regularly throughout the day, and you're having it with your iron-rich foods, you might end up anemic. 
Ah, but that relates to the amount of caffeine in it. Because the caffeine inhibits. It could be related C to the theobromine. It could be related to the caffeine, the biogenic amines. It could be related to any of those compounds. What All I can say is safely is that cacao inhibits iron absorption. So one must be quite careful from that respect. Normally your morning meal is not a very high iron meal. You're not having a lot of green leafy veg and you're not having a lot of, or hopefully you're not having meat in the morning or, or proteins. But You might be. Well, the farmer's uh, breakfast. Uh, the farmer's breakfast. <laughs> so, so, so generally, like a good time to to have cacao's in the morning. Okay, so if you if you are going to be taking cacao three times a day yes. for kids for concentration, they're growing. Yeah, you don't want them to become um, iron deficient or yeah. anemic. Would you put them on a supplement? No. No, cacao is unnecessary. It's, you know, it's, it's one of those food sources that you can actually tap into. You don't need to go supplement. Remember, no, any, you don't need to put the kids on an iron supplement. Oh, an iron, no, no, unnecessary. Iron supplements can come with complexities. So okay. you don't need to go down that route. The best thing to do is you make little, like, kind of uh, cacao balls, whether it's like dates and cacao and raisins and cashew nuts and, and things like that. And you have one or two snacks, you know, uh, throughout the course of the day. As long as it's not taken with an iron containing meal, there's no issues whatsoever. But it's just something to keep in the back of your mind. But there's just, just like a very, I mean, of all the studies I've ever read, this is the most bizarre and the most interesting at the same time. It's intriguing. So the study was published in the New England Journal of Medicine. Now, what that means is that there's a lot of credibility to the study because that is the premier medical journal. The number one medical journal in the world is the New England Journal of Medicine. And it was by Dr. Franz Masserli. And basically, he proposed something, and he proposed a link between Nobel Prize winners and dark chocolate consumption. Quite a bizarre topic, but anyway. <laughs> so the study looked at Nobel Prize winners up until 2011 and then reviewed chocolate consumption statistics per capita. And it looked at 23 countries, the, the prominent 23 countries that have won Nobel Prizes um, in recent years, and he found a direct linear relationship between chocolate consumption per capita and Nobel Prize with the exception of one country, which is Sweden, and he believes that there's a bias to Sweden because of the Nobel Assembly who's based in Sweden. So they were winning more prizes probably because <laughs> there's a bit of nepotism. But every other country, the amount of chocolate they consume per, ca per capita is associated with number of Nobel laureates. Who do you think consumes the most chocolate and who has the most Nobel Jeez. Prizes? Well, we, we do Statistically, as <laughs> we have the most. Statistically, but as a nation, Israel's not as a nation doesn't have the highest number of no, Nobel I laureates. Said, laureates. Mm, I don't know. Let's, can we put it out to our listeners? You can put it out we'll to We'll wrap listeners. it up in about five minutes. Good. All right. So, which country would you say consumes the most chocolate for per, the capita. per capita and has the most Nobel laureates? Okay. So, that's the question. Okay. That's the question. If you. Want to hazard a guess, or perhaps you know the answer, then let us know. 34519, that's a text line. Or you can WhatsApp 061-895-1019. So while that's in play, uh, so I'm going to just talk about, um, you know, Dr. Franz Masserli's uh, hypothesis. Basically, based on this data, which which exceptionally well presented, I have to say, he states that if people increase their chocolate consumption within a country, within an entire nation, dark chocolate consumption by 400 grams a year, there'll be one additional Nobel laureate per 10 million people. 
And the wow. ba- um, and what he was saying also is that the minimum amount of dark chocolate you can consume in a year to be eligible for Nobel Prize. Uh, you know, <laughs> this, remember, this is tell us. This we, is, a, we this will, is we very fast. This is no, but we'll fulfil this, right, yeah, listeners? Yeah. I mean, this is. I, I wouldn't uh, base too much around this, but it's just a very interesting take on it. Basic self, in order to put yourself in the running for a Nobel Prize, <laughs> you're going to have to consume two kilograms per year of dark chocolate, no less. If you go up to 11 kilograms a year, according to France Masseurli, now we've we've got game on. I mean, there's no limits to what you can I achieve. I could do this two kilograms yeah. of dark chocolate a year. <laughs> but but now you also have to come up with an amazing medical intervention, uh, medical discovery, and I mean, there's a couple of other things you also have to do over and above just consuming I, the chocolate. I, I just put it all in the hands of the chocolate. Okay, It'll, all right. Yeah, sort it out. So so that's just a very interesting, uh, just a very interesting aside, Richard. Um, what about taking sugar, another unsigned uh, SMS saying sugar with cacao? Sugar with cacao, it's it's a playoff, you know, because dark chocolate does have sugar, um, but the 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 flavor, you know, the the plant based chemicals that exist within the cacao neutralize a lot of the sugar. So as long as there's fiber with the sugar and it's very rich uh, cocoa or cacao, it can negate a lot of the negative effects of sugar. But remember with sugar as as you know, as I've mentioned before, there's a certain cap or limitation within a day. And if you're consuming 5 to t- uh, 6 teaspoons of sugar per day or 25 or, or to 30, 30 grams of teaspoons a day, you're going to have no adverse effects from added sugar. If you exceed that, um, you know, most, most individuals are consuming far more than instead of 25 grams, most individuals are consuming 100 grams a day. That's when the problems arise. So men, men actually have a slightly bigger window, so they can consume about nine teaspoons a day. Women uh, around tw- uh, five to six teaspoons a day. Kids around five to six as well, where it's safe and is not going to affect health. And if you kind of combine, you know, dates with cacao or honey with cacao, you know, it's these are more natural, more fiber-rich forms of sugar, which which generally have ne- less of a negative effect on health. But sugar, you know, it, it, whilst cacao inhibits this NF cap beta, the inflammatory light switch sugar activates it and it's a playoff too much sugar you'll it will exceed the ability or you know cacao's ability to to promote stability in the inflammatory space so playing it safe just play, play it safe limit your, limit your sugar okay uh, thanks Luisi Luisi says uh, how much dark chocolate should we give to kids in the morning well, I would again. It's, uh, you know, I'm not encouraging dark chocolate consumption really before do school. Love this. <laughs> I really do love. I don't this. know if I'm, I'm not getting the message across <laughs> properly. <laughs> but but uh, my my suggestion is really go for the more natural coca treats and products. So if you have to give dark chocolate a square or two, no more than that. It's unnecessary. Like those lint squares because they're very thin. Yes. Yes. So exactly. I, I, in fact, there was a situation now. I was, I was in uh, Tanzania uh, a couple of days ago, and I was giving a talk to a YPO group. You know, so the top young business leaders within Tanzania, and it wasn't just a talk; it was a marathon of talks. And, and the first was on cognition, you know, and the science of intellect. You know, like how to enhance intellect and productivity within the workspace. And the second was on stress and leadership, and just how to lower stress profiles within your organisation. But it was a lot of information, and it was over literally a five, six hour period. And halfway through, you know, after I finished the one session, like I was absolutely splint and I was cloudy, and but I had my dark chocolate in my bag. Two squares of dark chocolate, I was back up and running as clear as I've ever been. So, so really, it, the the research and and the, the practical elements do align very successfully, and uh, it's it's something I highly recommend. But 
within the context of kids, don't don't lean towards the chocolate option. I mean, also kids don't love dark chocolate. There are thousands of treats that you can make. There's so many different recipes, you know, some of which, uh, you know, are like uh, just for example, that would be, you know, chopped raisins, dates, cacao, cashew nuts or almonds just mixed up, made into a ball. Absolutely delicious. It sounds delicious. It, and it provides far more benefit than, than, than a square of lint dark chocolate. You know, so, so those are, I'm highly recommending that as an option as opposed to, you know, a square of dark, and, and dark chocolate is highly beneficial. You know, we've, we've seen it, but use it as a treat and, and more discriminately. Don't, don't, you know, kind of now all of a sudden the, the literature is so positive for dark chocolate. You, you, you know, two slabs a day of dark chocolate and you end up, you know, ill from, from overconsumption. <laughs> but, all right. Nobody's answered our question. Okay. Richard. So the answer is Switzerland. Okay. So, okay. So, you know, you so this is the, if per if you, capita, per on, capita, let's just, re, let's just uh, recap. So per capita, which country consumes the most uh, chocolate in relation to its Nobel Prize winners. No, in in relation to its population. Oh, in relation so, to its population, and as a result, has the most and Nobel has the most Nobel Prize. <laughs> so this is the interesting okay. thing: is that Switzerland, um, yeah, they consume more chocolate per capita than any anywhere else in the world, and they have the, the greatest number of Nobel laureates. Now, if you go online, I mean, I, 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 for you know, anyone, a lot of people ask me, did I read this book? Did I read that? I don't read any books. At all, I'm, I'm no. Totally you're busy yeah. reading studies because from I read journals. And so, so I don't. Epstein. Yeah. So, so I try. I try not to read books. I try to only read journals because there's a le- there's less bias and there's less of an agenda. So if you go on to you know Google online coca you know or cacao healthy you know you're going to see two camps diametrically opposed. One camp is, is saying that it's these chemicals are too strong and they will have adverse effects on health. And the other camp saying that the best thing that's ever happened to mankind in, in the history of nutrition and it's the best thing you can do and you have to go down that road. Diametrically opposed. One just has to look at the country which consumes the greatest amounts of chocolate per capita or dark chocolate per capita and that is Switzerland. What is their life expectancy? I don't know, but I do know that their navy and their army closes... It closes at 5 p.m. <laughs> I don't know what that is. The, the army this. and their air, like it tells you about okay, their so maybe lifestyle. They're, quite they're not at war. Yeah. They're open-minded. They're educated. They live in clean cities. That's and they consume a lot of chocolate. And they consume, yeah. So, so, so if you look at life expectancy, according to, I think it's according to World Health Organization in Switzerland, it's second on the list to Japan. So I think it's 83.6 years is the average life expectancy. Woman, woman, I think is 86 point something years of age. That's the average person in Switzerland is going to live 83.6 years. That's They're consuming amazing. more chocolate than anywhere else. So if, if there's this argument, if there's this d- debate, you know, online, good or bad, you just have to look at the countries that are consuming the greatest amount of chocolate. Other countries consume a high amount of, of chocolate per capita, like Norway, Denmark, they're also in that top, they, their life expectancy, 82, 83, you know, within that, they're in the top 10 in the world. So, so if there was ever a debate, I would say that that clarifies. You know, life expectancy in these countries that are consuming high amounts of dark chocolate is, is exceptionally high. And on top of it, there's tremendous cognitive firepower and aptitude as expressed by the number of Nobel laureates. And, you know, if, if I'm looking, just going, going back to a little bit of research for a second, you know, how does chocolate promote brain function? There is, there's mechanisms. How does dark chocolate actually enhance the brain? So it's postulated that the driving force is the antioxidant effect. You know, so lows free radical damage, protects the brain from damage. We know that chocolate has anti-inflammatory effects. We also know that chocolate has insulin-lowering effects as well dark chocolate believe it or not 
even though there's sugar in it, it has insulin-lowering effects. But the primary mechanism was discovered by a, a team from Germany. And the, there was a study, it was it's a German review, review entitled Chocolate and the Brain, Neuro, Neurobiological Impact of Cocoa Flavanols on Cognition and Behavior. And what it, it, it showed and, and, and how it described the interaction between uh, cacao and the body was, was as such. Within 30 minutes, these flavonoids, these, these complex compounds in cocoa and cacao will basically be detected in the bloodstream. They'll peak at around two to three hours. So if you have a cognitively very demanding task, the peak is two to three hours following ingestion. Now, once they've absorbed into the body, Basically, what happens is these compounds don't get filtered out by the brain. A lot of these compounds can enter the brain, and they accumulate in the brain, and specifically within the regions involved in learning and memory. Oh, exam time. Exam time. Now, what's interesting with the study identified is that they have direct interactions with the cellular machinery within the brain. So basically, what happens to brain cells and their functionality and all the chemical processes that take place, they interact with those. So much so that they increase the expression of a molecule called brain-derived neurotrophic factor. It's the brain's rocket fuel. We've spoken about we this have. before. So brain, basically brain cell formation, brain cell retention, brain cell maturation, brain cell connection is determined by the single molecule. The integrity, the structural functionality, everything regarding the brain, function, structure, and integrity is determined by BDNF and these compounds found in cacao actually spike BDNF levels within the brain, thereby enhancing cognition. So it's on a very, very specific, you know, within a very specific context um, that, that dark chocolate actually has this positive effect. But not only that, there was, there's been other studies trying to identify what is it about cocoa and cacao that has this, this stimulating and, and enhancing effect on the brain. And what they discovered is that it enhances blood supply quite substantially within the brain and even within the nervous system outside of the brain um, like the spinal cord. And and uh, there was actually a study in 2007, and it was published in the journal Neuroscience, and it just looked at the epicatechin, you know, components of chocolate and what it does in terms of new blood vessels and blood supply to the brain. And what it found was that the administration of epicatechins actually increases the formation of new blood vessels in and around a certain region of the brain that's responsible for memory, which is called the hippocampus. So that, that, is, that is quite remarkable. So everything is go. Well, everything is a go, and I haven't even mentioned the cardiovascular benefits. Well, let's do that because well, we don't no, want to run I'm, out of time. Why would we want to? Yeah, we wouldn't want to waste a second. Here. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you had me at Coco. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's been a lot of research in this space. Remember that uh, I mentioned earlier that um, epicatechins can trigger this nitric oxide gas, and that dilates blood vessels, and that that would enhance health and lower blood pressure and so on. So, the first of the big amazing for sports people. Uh, yeah, I, I guess it's a you know that earlier More I said that into the brain for sure, for sure. No, no, no question. So the answer is very much a yes, yes. Um, so, so the first big studies investigating the effect of coca intake and cardiovascular health was published in um, the Archives of Internal Medicine back in two thousand and six. It involved just under five hundred um, Dutch men, and basically it looked at exposure to coca and its effect on the cardiovascular system. And after an adjustment for a wide range of possible influences, what they found was that blood pressure was inversely associated with coke intake. Basically, the more coke you, you consumed, the lower your blood pressure, the more stable your blood pressure. Hmm. Now, what they also showed in this 15-year um, observational study is that 
Cocoa consumption is associated with significantly lower cardiovascular disease risk and all-cause mortality. Basically, the risk of dying in a 15-year period was far lower if you consumed loads or lots of, of cocoa or cocoa, um, you know, dark chocolate um, type of, of products and, and foods. And if you just look statistically at the disease, you know, the, the rate of cardiovascular disease and premature, premature mortality, those who consumed the most cocoa or had the most cocoa in their diet compared to those who didn't consume any, there was a 50% lower risk of dying within that 15-year 50, period and 50, uh, 50% lower risk of developing a cardiovascular disease within that period as well, which is uh, exceptionally profound. How much cocoa do you have in your diet? I have daily. Do you? Yeah, I consume daily in the form of a smoothie. Now and again, I'll have dark chocolate, um, but I'll generally have it in, in the form of like what I described, those little treats, or I'll have it in that a smoothie That sounds amazing. Form. Just give us the ingredients of those treats again. You said dates. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to put it on my website. Brilliant. Okay, so I'll put it under blog. And I'll put it, uh, by the end of today, it'll be there. Just give a couple of ideas for cocoa, cocoa treats, and that's suttonhealth.co.za. And you just got a blog. Just got a blog. And you also see what Richard looks like. And, and he's, got, he's got everything on the website, actually. Yeah, we've got some podcasts there as well. Yeah. You know, you can so get his full CV. You can see who he's worked with. You can see his sports bio, his lecturing bio. That's a, <laughs> thanks Academic for the bio. <laughs> that's, that's very kind of you. Normal people just have one bio. Richard has a. <laughs> no, we've got to have multiple bios. So many. <laughs> so, so I think I mean I could carry on just telling you about. I mean, there's there's countless studies looking at some some of the studies are, involve 150,000 people. A meta-analysis just looking at you know cocoa consumption and lowered cardiovascular risk and and there's strong associations. I'm not going to go into those details, but what I'd like to do is just you know summarize with some guidelines. You know, just what are the guidelines when consuming cocoa? Uh, our products try and choose an organic source if possible you know less chemicals in the in the processing um you know it's just a, a far healthier option uh if if you have got an option between coca or cacao cacao being the unprocessed form go for the cacao if you've got an option between nibs and powder go for the nibs even healthier what are nibs nibs are like little blocks or like little blocks of the bean okay. as opposed to the actual and what powder. do you do with those do you just you just it? mix them in a smooth <laughs> you won't have teeth if you, <laughs> if you if you want to go to the dentist for sure you chew them but uh, if, if you want teeth, you know, you, you mix them up in a smoothie, you grind them down. Okay. You know, so that, that's a good idea. Um, the best options are really the homemade products. You know, put them, in, put them in your oats, put them in your porridge, put them in like little balls, put them in smoothies, put them in, you know, that's your best option. Dark chocolate, 70 to 85%, organic preferably is, is also a great substitute. Um, if there are sugar, you know, if there is sugar, excuse me, if there is sugar or food additives in the product, it can negate some of the benefit. So just, just be mindful of the fact that if it's a high sugar product not a good idea you know sugar sugar has an antagonistic effect also know that milk has an antagonistic effect so you're not going to derive benefit from from cacao if if there's uh, you know milk milk within the product and cacao can also detract from iron absorption so these are just things that uh, to bear in mind does one need to be mindful as to where the cacao comes from african plantations versus south american is there a difference in the cacao um, I don't think I, I don't think it makes in terms of the nutritional benefits. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it makes much of a difference. Okay, you good. know, there's like this uh, fair, you know, kind of trade and and farming practices, and you know that that there's a whole agenda out there in, in terms of these practices. And you know, you want to support you know local communities, and you want to support organic plantations, and sure. and that's what you'd like to do. But it doesn't whether it's South American or African. I don't think it's it's a, it's a major concern. All right. Richard Sutton, thank you very, very much. Thanks I look for forward to our me. next talk in a month's time. In a month's time.
Woohoo! So that's uh, <laughs> Richard Sutton. He's from Sutton Health. Go and check out his website, suttonhealth.co.za. And uh, yeah, you'll find out more about him. Uh, as he said, he will have some recipes up on his blog a little bit later on this afternoon. And you can go and get those recipes for how you can take for the kids with, and, yeah, and for, for yourself. Yourself. And all very, very delicious and tasty and healthy. So there we go. Certainly Thank you fun. very, very much. We've been talking about cacao. A little bit later on today, you'll be able to access this podcast on highfm.com. Thank you so much for joining me, and uh, thank you for all the SMSs. God bless. See you at same time, same place next week. Bye. Medical Monday is proudly brought to you with the compliments of Discam, pharmacists who care.